Hi there. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> okay. I got my camera sitting right in front of your face, so that's not so good, but otherwise. Oh, oh no. It's my um, fault. I've just tried to de-smudge. Did you de-smudge? You don't look smudgy at all. Really? Okay, great. Welcome to the DP30 Emmy Audio Pod. Oh no, I know. I've, I'm, is that too bright for you? Because no, no, it's, you look great. I know, not me, just the I know it's intense. Life. You've done the perfect, uh, you know, it's funny because historically on these interviews, we were mostly in person forever. Um, yeah. I used to like to shoot out windows and my cameraman used to say, why idiot? <laughs> Because <laughs> it was always too bright and it always would wash the person out and it was like Oh, I bet they loved it. Everyone loves to look a little bit washed out. So. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny how actresses get to a certain age or still be you're still younger than that age. But uh they, the lighting becomes much more specific. Oh right. Yeah. Well, good on them. I'm I'm trying to learn about that. You know, people seem to have all their sort of different sides, like the hexagons, they seem to know which one is the correct. Yes. Angle. Yeah. Today's guest on the audio pod, Imogen Poots from Outer Range. <laughs> Horrifying enough. So how are you? <laughs> wow, I'm good. I'm good. There's been like a thunderstorm. I'm in London right now. Mm -hmm. um, I was just in New York and now I'm back here and the weather's sort of being schizophrenic, but we got some sunshine, which is very exciting. Very, very unusual for hometown. Yeah, it is. Um, but no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sort of getting the hang of doing all this this way do you have you gotten used to media in general um you like doing interviews or are you kind of yeah, it depends right i mean sometimes you get stuck i mean i think it's the um it's when it's like the equivalent of the small talk right and then i can't i just get bored and i say i just say aggressive things oh you just say things to kind of fill the space some but of our greatest actors have been known to completely make things up on junkets well i know i think this is um yeah more common than i knew and what yeah. a great trick if you have to <laughs> you know i mean just do it why not just lie nick I nolte think. used to show up in, in in his pajamas with a robe oh that wow. was a good one he wow. told us one time on uh, i think uh, thin red line that his he had false teeth and he started <laughs> to take them out during the interview but Somebody said, no, no, no. So he didn't have, he didn't have false teeth. So. Oh my God. It's so it good. It's maybe, yeah. maybe people are all uh, scaredy cats now, you know, very well behaved. Saying actor. the wrong thing is the wrong thing. It sure is. But media training, this is the thing that I find sort of very suspicious. What that's all about. You get sort of schooled in what to say. And, it's quite yeah. remarkable how people get really good. One of the big things is repeating what the other person said. And so I can tell, usually how I can tell how much somebody's been media trained is by how many times they repeat the words I say in the question. Yeah, that's sort of strange. I know it's, it's just difficult. I mean, it's hard though, isn't it? Because you want to have a free conversation, but you're sort of these days, you're sort of self-censoring, making sure that everything's like yeah. coming out how you want it to and articulating yourself. And it's, uh, yeah. That's the whole point of my format is to, which was not very popular 20 years ago or 10 years ago. When I started it, but it, it, to, to get past the junket talk. Yeah. Like the first 10 minutes of an interview will often be, you know, the program, program stuff about working on a show and how much it was nice to work with Josh Brolin, which, you know, we all know is a complete lie. Josh is a prick. Yeah. Um, and I say that only because I love Josh and we're friendly. So I know, but it is strange. I just wonder, 
like even with this show, if they ask certain questions, and I get sort of what they have to do, but then you, someone will sort of be like, so tell us about the hole. And then they'll sort of like disappear off and make a coffee and come back. And you're like, you don't care. You don't care. Why should you care? But I know we've got to do this, but it's just, yeah, it, it, you lose steam. I think. Well, there's also so much television now yeah. that it's insane. Right. You're like a brain explodes after a while. It's, it, it's very challenging. Yeah, I know. They're really, and there are so many actors. I mean, I'm sure there were always many actors, but um, it feels like more than ever, so many actors and so few filmmakers. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, a, 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 yeah, it's an interesting evolution because I, I just went to see uh, Men the other day. Oh, I want to see that. It, what did you think? I think it's better than a lot of people seem to think it is. I I, I kind of went late and uh, I was reading Tony Scott and the New York Times and other people who I like, and they kind of didn't seem to like it. <laughs> and I think I liked it more than they did. I think I, uh, I think because they're overthinking they were it. Something like more similar to what Alex Garland had done before or something or. That and I think Alex, I mean, I think Alex has always been weird. <laughs> I mean, he's brilliant, but he's weird. Oh. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. I think he's one of the great young filmmakers. Well, not so young anymore, but he's one of the great filmmakers of the moment. But mm. um, this was like, it, I think sometimes these things get so seem so complicated mm. that we want something other than the simple. Here is what it is. Yeah. And what it's set out to do. I know. I, yeah. I wonder because that was uh, Ebert's whole thing, wasn't it? Like you would review a Foss and the Furious movie in the same way that you would a Tarkovsky. But it's like, what is right. it set out to like? Roger had his loves and his. It's funny. It's it's so weird that Roger's been gone so long now. Mm. Then the you no, know, I, the, I I would have missed the sort of the golden years of his criticism, but obviously he's yeah heralded. Um, I'm missing that amazing documentary about him. But yeah, it is interesting film criticism now, and it's just changed. It's changed a lot. It's very. Uh, it's just very unknowable more and more what people yeah. are going. Well, there's so many people who think they're film critics now. It's fantastic. I know. <laughs> it's like everybody's going to be a filmmaker because there's so many digital cameras and everybody can be a critic because there's the internet. Yeah, I guess so. so. And then the collective of like someone saying something like Twitter is just. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely nuts. The idea that there was once like a couple of reviews in the paper and now it's just like. Yeah, who do you listen to? Yeah. Yeah. You know, even when I go to Rotten Tomatoes, I will look for who the writer is from each of the magazines that's listed as a, you know, important or whatever. And I'm like, if I've never heard of the writer, if I've never read the writer before, I don't know what to believe about their, their idea of what a film is. I know it's just shitty because what if they're like the next Eva and then they're just being drowned anyways. Yeah. yeah, completely. It's completely nutty. No, to try and hold on to your own opinion and see something without reading the reviews before has never been more important. And then you can yeah. sit halfway through and be like, ah, it's part of trash or whatever. But And it's never been harder to do it because the studios now have a system where they want to show it to the junket people first and then the junket people offer their opinion which is sometimes reliable and sometimes not right um, you mean like the focus groups or you no, mean like the uh, people who do interviews before yeah. you know three weeks before the movie or whatever it is and i be, my format sometimes fits in there but often does not um because taking a half an hour junket day is not really an option for most people no. um but it's like those guys are actually pros. They're working constantly. Those guys are actually doing it. But are they really fine film critics? It's yeah. hard to it's hard to make that judgment. How did you end up not being a journalist? Ah, because my folks were. Is that why you asked that question? Yes. Ooh. That's actually one accurate thing then. Because there's so much stuff written on the internet, which just 
<laughs> like she's raised with llamas and then people are sort of assuming that that's like completely true um are they, you saying you weren't raised with llamas are you denying that you were raised with llamas no i'm just i'm just laying that laying that trap you can believe what you want to um my father was a llama but he also was a journalist he was a media journalist so he wasn't like a print he worked right. well it looks like he was a documentarian Yes, and he still is. He's still getting stuff made. It's amazing. And I think that's, I mean, it's so cool. To understand the miracle that anything gets made is a very sort of precious understanding, I think. Like, it's just insane that anything can ever be made. Um, but yeah, they were journalists. And then I think it's interesting because I pay a lot of attention to like certain critics um, and what they have to say. And so, of course, when they're reviewing like something you've done, it's like, Oh boy, you know, you have to like, it's very strange. It's a yeah. very strange relationship. Jim um, Sheridan once said to me, I, I, I was a big, big, big fan of um, In America. Oh, and so Jim and I hung out during all that period. And he would say, well, you know, the last time I got close to a film critic, the next movie, they murdered me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. Indeed, I didn't, I didn't review his next movie because I would have had to murder him. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very strange. Cause of course you, you know, in the same way that I suppose a critic gets known actor through their work, it, it can happen the other way too, if you're paying that much attention, but um, it's certainly, yeah, it's a very spooky thing that someone would speak about your work. Cause of course, a lot of the time you make stuff and then you, um, you kind of forget it has to, come out it's like rehearsals for a play and then you sort of have to perform the play that's the missing piece it's the audience but mm. so uh, so have you ever gotten criticism that really helped you Ooh, <laughs> never got that question before um yeah i think there have been some helpful things along the way that you sort of it's when someone feels that they have the right to share a piece of information that's going to help you um, and it's often quite a sort of, it's that stern challenge coupled with a sort of, it's a taking you seriously, I think. Mm. Um, sort of like you have to just get completely humiliated or naked or whatever it is in order to then have an opportunity. Um, and I think along the way, actors have done that for me, for sure. I remember once, I remember we were doing this movie called A Late Quartet. And everyone was uh, had to learn a musical instrument. And I was I tend to kind of keep quiet, like a table reads and things. I'm always just like, because I'm listening, to, I want to listen to everything. And um, I remember everyone had learned how to play their instrument and I hadn't been the one to sort of say, oh, I've learned something too. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman was like, well, show us, show us what you got. Like we've all kind of shown you, you know, and, and it's that chance of someone saying like, speak up, like take yeah. it, you know, we'll support you, we'll you know, the coolest thing, taking up that space also, I think. Did is... Dustin Hoffman direct that? He directs one called Quartet, ah. and a late Quartet. But yeah, it was but like- I think the they were like the same year or something. Yeah, they were. I think like, they were both at Toronto at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's so strange how that happens, like vampires yeah. and pot plants and quartets. Yeah, very strange. Mm. Um, but that seems to be, it's when someone cares about you, right? When they see your potential and they want to, push you a little bit well Phil was it. so into actors and that I mean it's one of the great losses beyond losing him is his the way he, you know labyrinth and everything else in New York and how he really supported other actors yeah 
generosity of like yeah a titan i know it is funny isn't it because there's a type of actor and i think the more i do this the more i see there's the ones who are sort of bitter the ones who just kind of it's still torturous but they it's never to do with anybody else you know mm. it's just like a full understanding of what it is to be a team um which i do think we had on this show actually which was kind of you gotta remember what show you were talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah on this show um no we we did we had like a lot of um like everyone just kind of was looking out for each other which doesn't always happen i don't think so um, you're often isolated on this show i know she's a little bit of a loner but what yeah. a delight because normally you know as a female character you're sort of hauled up with some dude in the back of a motel so this is quite <laughs> breath of fresh air actually so, so when as you got into this, was there something yeah. where you said, "Okay, I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna be fiction, not nonfiction, and <laughs> this is oh. what I'm interested in." You mean in the sense of behind the character, or when you decided acting was a thing for you that you were gonna oh. fall in love with? Yeah, I well, I was um, I didn't have that moment, you know, because you, you hear people talking about a moment when they were so young. And I wonder, you must hear that you must have asked this question many times in different iterations, but some people are like, I always knew I wanted to do it. I was always in my head a lot of the time. In hindsight, I can see why I started acting because it was an outlet for everything that was distracting me all the time. Um, and I remember finding a lot of things at school just completely pointless, like gym, just... <laughs> What you know, why would you have to run around in a certain I mean, this is just insane. Um, and now I look back and I'm like, I can see the beauty of sport and all of that. But yeah, um, I started doing like a theater group, like an improvisation group when I was a teenager and still sort of fearless enough to just do stupid, stupid things and get a real kick out of that and fall over, you know, metaphorically in front of people and that be just one of the most valuable things that can happen to a person, I think. You know, so was it the response or the freedom to let yourself behave however you were behaving? Yeah, I think the latter. Yeah, there's just a sort of um, lugubriousness or um, a way of thinking that wasn't being um, limited or, you know, truncated. It was like explore it further. And then alongside that, because I was doing it when I was a teenager alongside school. And I remember it was like a secret life because you're like being taken seriously in an adult environment. And then you go back to school and someone shouts at you because you're eating a banana in the corridor and you're just like, what, you know, what is this? This is the wildest authority like in out, you know? Um, but yeah, I just always, I just absolutely loved it. I couldn't believe that you could do that. Did you think it was going to be a career? Or did you think it was kind of just what you were doing at the time? Uh, I wasn't quite sure. I didn't know if, um, and still to this day, it's taken a minute to get to a point where you, you know, this is what you do. Because I think without going to drama school and without having that kind of credential handed to you, there is just a different understanding of when do you begin? When did you mm. begin? Have you actually you know do you have permission now to do this from who and all of those things um but yeah I just think it was sort of from from that age onwards it just 
carried on. But it's hard to know, like anything. I mean, anything artistic and understanding how many other people were going to do this and wanted to do it. And um, and then you've got to sort of forge your own path within it if you're lucky enough. That's you seem to like variety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I just... I just didn't want to, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I was also probably like a massive snob. You know, so I was like, <laughs> that can happen too when you're young in that right. way, you know? But it didn't seem like you wanted to do, you know, 10 years of neighbors or whatever, or what's the British version of that? Looking back, I'm like, wow, that'd be a great gig. Um, I, there was, yeah, there was, there was some things I didn't want to do and, and wasn't part of therefore, but um it's it's so it's so wild to even attempt to have any control over it apart from watching movies and then thinking oh gosh that's that's extraordinary that that's like a a possible film you could get to do you know um behind the curtain of all the other sort of obvious films right that self-education does it feel like you've fallen into the right places because you're you you've worked with a remarkable group of people in front of and behind the camera yeah, it's it, oh God, it's really difficult when it's your own uh, set of bones that you're dealing with, I think, because in hindsight, again, um, if I think about the movies I love, like the fact that, and Lily doesn't know this, but um, I Shot Andy Warhol is an exceptional film and story. And I remember seeing that years and years ago and being like, wow, Lily Taylor's career is pretty damn amazing for an actress in that crew and her peer group and all of that and right. paying attention like it was like her Martha Plimpton Samantha Mathis like what they were all doing um and then you kind of have to pinch yourself like a decade later when you're like oh you're getting to work with an actress who you were floored by and you can't lose sight of those sort of strange things that you set out to try and find you so know? do you take things away from the actors you work with or are you pretty much who you are as an actor i'm always taking things away always you know i think that's a symptom of um you know i i put it down to like not going to college or something or not going to drama school where i like Mm -hmm. i still let it all permeate um well you were professional when you were pretty young i I guess but it's hard people who go to drama schools often are like you don't work till you're 22 or 24 you were like you were you still a teenager when you started working professional? Yeah, I was like 15, 16. Yeah. And I think there's pros and cons to both, you know, because, um, yeah, I have friends who started in their mid-20s and I'm like, wow, you had like a boyfriend. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wow, you avoided like all sorts of weird eating habits and like you're so mentally stable. <laughs> it's so nice. Um, yeah, so I think it's like just different, different battles you probably fight in each arena in that way um yeah. so how did you end up on outer range did you did. audition or did they just call you and you're perfect or no it was a script a script came along and have, have you seen it i have oh wow <laughs> impressive yeah i've, I've um, engulfed the entire show oh well done <laughs> good for you um it it came kind of in the form of a script obviously just the pilot and then I, I made a tape, you know, these days you just make tapes, which is just mm-hmm. the strangest thing because I'll now sign like, I'll sound like I'm very old, but 
back in the day when you would go in and you'd audition and there'd be like people there and you'd have a time and a location and it was just so nice but a lot of people prefer taping um but it was a self-tape and then I I didn't like it and I did it again and and then just send it off are you a nervous auditioner or were you all you are comfortable I actually when you were back with human beings yeah I liked auditioning because there was something really um there was nothing left to lose like you could just go and like leave it and be sweaty and bright red on one side of your face the strangest things are audition rashes because they're not normal like blushes they're just like these it's like if you get marks when you remove sunglasses either side right. of your nose it's just those kind of i love that you know <laughs> so you like going in there and seeing all the other people and no that's the worst but you just you go and you go sit in the toilet cubicle until it's your audition time and then you go that's the so you did your self-tape yeah twice <laughs> Right. And did you know, how much did you know about what was the soul of the show aside from having some sides? I mean, did um, you have a full script of or anything or? No, I had a chat with Brian, who was the writer who wrote the whole beast. Um, and I really trusted him because it's so wild. You have to like commit to projects with TV for years without knowing the full story it's actually yeah. insane when you think about it and shows just how deeply everything's changed but um <laughs> I really trusted him because he sort of could give me you know some form of a synopsis and right um told me what was in store for the character and um but I I loved the script it felt I've always really loved um Americana in the sense of like the American myth and the, right. that whole that whole theme so it felt like it fell into that so did you did you know all the way through the first season what was going to happen or did you have just some sense that she was many characters going on inside of this one character yeah there was a, I, I kind of had a sense something would happen because I kept having conversations with people and I think they forgot I hadn't seen the entire bible of right. the show of the season so they'd say um you know she was because she's really unhinged and I was like well I haven't uh, <laughs> I haven't got there yet I've just been yeah. given episodes one and two or something but um I I yeah I had some sense of what was going to happen but not that extreme um it's kind of like Josh and Lily have kind of relatively stable roles and you and Will Patton have the the real and the and the the singing blonde brother Billy, yeah yeah yes. exactly those exactly. are the big journeys going on i think in terms yeah, of character there are. shifting there are and it's interesting because i suppose with lily's character you know the crisis of faith which is the sort of anchor or perry with the death of his wife there are these sort of very for those character arcs you know there was like that center hold where with autumn it was kind of more of a jackson pollock like <laughs> <laughs> find something in there so is there fun in shooting it or is it do you like developing the character more or what's what's your turn on in terms of what's your favorite part of it um I I loved making this one which I normally I'm normally at my happiest when I'm working I think depending on what the project is but most of the time um and I've had a couple you know experiences on jobs which are just like life shattering life shatteringly cool like really 
change your life, you know, like the people you meet and all of that. Um, and this felt like one of those, this felt like a real, I don't know, we were just, it was because of the pandemic likely too, you know, we were just locked away. We were like in this bubble, it was just us. And every weekend we were kind of hanging out. So I think the work element and the life element fused to such an extent that you're just, you're just being for seven months. So how long ago did you shoot? How long ago, how into the pandemic was it? Um, it was January, 2021 through to August. So long time last year. Yeah. So it was pre-vaccination or just right after vaccination? I remember the beginning, we were like, are we gonna be able to get the vax? And yeah. like, ooh, ooh, we don't know, it's unknowable. And, and by the time, I think April, it was like being rolled out in New Mexico, but yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing exactly. how we all forgotten that there was a time where there wasn't a vaccination and there wasn't like, we're angry at the, you know, we got stuck in the masks and it was like, but we didn't have a vaccination. I know. I <laughs> it know. It's really, it's really crazy how quickly those things normalize, isn't it? Um, yeah. Even the idea of, you know, suddenly being back at work. Like I remember during lockdown, just thinking how the hell is anyone going to make any movie ever again? It's going to have to be like, Yeah separating out all the actors with the chalk stick it's just yeah. you know well you've walked worked since then i assume no i haven't you really haven't okay I i'm i've given up no i haven't i just um <laughs> yeah nothing yet has kind of hit the soul and it's some things that would hit the soul you know someone's probably doing them so right before this i guess you did um virginia wolf yeah, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? That was a couple of years before, yeah, in London. So was that a return to theater for you, or is that, or have you gone back a number of times in the middle, or? No, that was my first play. Funnily enough, I I always wanted to do theater, and then I you, at some point you just have to hurl yourself in um, with a willing hurler, and that was the director called James McDonald, who. I had been aware of my whole life because he came up with Sarah Kane and, you know, Cal Churchill. He does a lot of her stuff. Um, he's incredible. Yeah, that was a very special job because also just going over the same material again and again. I hadn't had that since I was like a teenager or, you know, going to study a book in class or something. It was just addictive. I was obsessed with it. Um, is honey hard for you? Was honey hard for you? Mm, yes, of course. But also I think I know I could connect to that person um, very deeply. It's sort of the person who, you know, you put so many masks on top of and so many the, the social abilities and fluidities, but she's just so... Um, impossibly polite that sort of pathological politeness which must be covering something broken or sinister and um yeah I've, I knew a few women like that you know that nervous energy which is just you grew up in England yeah <laughs> let me tell you about I'm just it. thinking how it must be a different show in England than it is in America yeah I'm sure so much of those traits are so different well, exactly. I mean, there's, yeah, rudeness and honesty. That's the real 
fascination, isn't it? Trying to figure that out. The other day I was at the airport and this guy at baggage claim was trying to figure out, he said, you know, which is our baggage claim? He was on my flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, oh, it's that one we saw on the screen. And we walked over together to pick up the bags. And he said, oh, wh- what were you doing in LA? And my heart sank because I was like, Ugh, I don't want to do this thing. Like, I'm tired. Why are we both doing this to each other? And he asked what I did. And I said, I'm an actor. And I felt myself getting very rude. And then I, I needed to go to the restroom. And I, I actually had this conversation in my head of, I need to let him know that's what I'm going to do. I 